Diane, thank you for joining us today on Austin Hellenic Radio. To begin, tell us about your background and how you came to devote your life to cooking and to the Greek cuisine. Well, I was the child of immigrants. All of us who are the children of immigrants or the children of Greeks grew up in homes full of food, <laughs> most of us anyway. My dad was in the business and he was a wonderful cook. And when I lived on my own for the first time as a college student, it was just something I could do. I, I can't really explain it any other way. I just knew how to cook. But I set out to do something entirely different. I set out to be a real journalist as opposed to a food writer. I shouldn't say it that way, but political journalist. And I wasn't suited to that at all. So one thing led to another. I had various editorial jobs, whatever. And I parlayed my writing skills and my love for cooking into what I'm doing now, basically. What is the significance of food and cuisine in the Greek culture? You mentioned a moment ago about growing up in a family where there was lots of food and food was very important. So what is the significance of it in, in the Greek culture? Food is the, the vehicle for socializing, right? We all love to sit around a table and not be rushed during a meal. I think it's food is, is what brings people together. It's what creates memories. A friend of mine recently was talking about his mom. I mean, he's in his 50s now, saying that he has the most wonderful memories of smells coming from her kitchen. And I think it was also the source of power for women, and still is to a certain extent. I mean, that, you know, they were, through their good cooking, held the family together enabled discussion, enabled problems to be worked out. So it plays a role in many different ways. I do think this is something we can all relate to if we're coming from a Greek background. Much has been said about the health benefits that traditional Greek and Mediterranean diet contains. What are the components of the authentic Greek diet and why is it so healthy? Olive oil, olive oil, olive oil, seasonal fresh vegetables, seasonal fresh vegetables, seasonal fresh vegetables, great fruit, whole grains, very few animal products. The traditional diet, something that Greeks are going back to now for various reasons. A, there was an article recently in uh, Tanea in Greece about how the financial crisis is forcing people to go back to a quote-unquote poor man's diet. But, you know, that poor man's Mediterranean diet is what more educated people in the West are seeking today. So it's funny how things come around. But I think that the tremendous wealth of vegetable dishes coupled with the profuse use of excellent quality olive oil are the two things more than anything else that make Greek cuisine so healthy and flavorful. And certainly there's a blessing in disguise at all from the crisis that's ongoing in Greece. It is this return to a much healthier and much more authentic diet. Unfortunately, however, many people's awareness of Greek cuisine is limited to actually a very meat-heavy selection. We hear about gyro, we hear about lamb, we also hear about stereotypical dishes such as a moussaka, and even many non-Greek dishes that are presented as Greek dishes at many restaurants throughout the United States. Why have many Greek restaurants offered such a stereotypical presentation? of Greek cuisine? I think partly because a generation or two ago when people were first settling here and, you know, Greeks are very individualistic people, so the restaurant business is well suited to that temperament. They're also very hospitable. So I think those are the two main reasons why they have excelled so much in the restaurant business. But I also think that an older generation was less concerned with promoting the cuisine than it was with doing what they knew how to do, doing what 
what they think people expected when they visited a Greek restaurant and having a formula that works. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, <laughs> it worked. And people were able to not only survive, but flourish and extended families were able to flourish from those businesses. And then the second and third generation came in, did not have to struggle in the same way. So crossing that bridge into more creative cuisine or more exploration of the cuisine, taking different types of risks, it was simply a matter of time. And those early Greeks were not, they didn't have the impetus to do it because their concerns were different. And also everything is also a matter of timing, right? The food culture 30 years ago in the States, I mean, 30 years ago in the States, Spanakopita was pretty exotic, you know, and in many parts of the country, it probably still is. And certainly with the change and the evolution in the food culture that we've seen and the second and third generation of Greek Americans getting involved in the restaurant business, we have seen changes in the types of Greek restaurants that are opening up. And especially in cities such as New York, we've seen a lot of new and very creative Greek restaurants open up. And from what I understand, you have been a part of some of these restaurants. Tell us a little bit more about your career in the restaurant industry and some of the projects that you've worked on. Well, I'm a consulting chef at several restaurants across the country. Pilos in New York City is probably the longest standing one, longest standing relationship, I mean. I've been with the restaurant for 10 years, and I, I'm also from New York, so it makes it a little bit easier. We're just opening a new place together, about six or seven blocks south of Pilos, which will be called Bouquets, Small Bites, and it's a meze place. I'm involved in a restaurant outside of Chicago in Winnetka, which is a wonderful, very beautiful suburb uh, north of Chicago. The restaurant is called Avli. And I'm also involved in a restaurant in northern New Jersey in Bergen County called Axia, which is one of the owners at Pilos opened that place a couple of years ago. And I do various other things too. I have various other restaurant projects brewing, so in different parts of the country. None in Texas yet, though. <laughs> I think uh, some of those projects will be very welcome in Texas as well. I think so too. I did have the lovely daughters of the famous Greek Pappas family come to my cooking school two summers ago and we had a wonderful time and from what I understand they're probably the most successful Greek restaurant family in the United States. They opened their first Greek place. They did not concentrate on Greek cuisine for most of the, the careers of the parents and grandparents. So it's the kids who are doing it, the younger generation. What is your philosophy when designing the menus at these restaurants? What are you looking to promote as far as the Greek cuisine goes? Well, fresh food, healthy food, very little, probably no use of cream in the kitchen. We sneak it in here and there, but I generally don't use cream. As many vegetable dishes as possible without being a vegetarian restaurant, because that's very limiting in your the way you can market it. But Greek food by nature happens to have a tremendous variety of vegetable dishes. You know, my philosophy is I like to explore the regional cuisines. I think that there's a huge wealth of untapped flavor and dishes in the the regional foods of Greece. I mean, there's so many amazing, unusual dishes. This time around, I traveled to the States with a suitcase full of artisan Greek cheeses, and I'm going around to some of the cheese shops in New York, seeing if there's interest. I mean, I have some really... The other thing, everybody knows, it's sort of what happened in Greek restaurants, right? Two or three big companies 40, 50 years ago imported feta cheese, kasseri, kalamata olives, and a few other token poster boys for Greek food, Greek ingredients, and made a success of that. And it's been very 
very difficult to, you know, spread the word that there is such a variety of cheese in Greece and some really amazing cheeses. Oh, there's something like, you know, 70 or 80 unique and different Greek cheeses. You know, that's sort of my new mission to introduce people to that. It often is very difficult to find authentic products from Greece. Quite often, even something as simple as real authentic Greek feta cheese or even, for instance, wines from Greece. What should we be looking for when shopping for such product and where should we be looking? Well, you should be looking everywhere. And when you don't find it, we should ask for that. And that will be motivation for buyers to order that stuff and for shopkeepers to buy that stuff because there is a market for it. The wines are a whole other amazing and undiscovered world. Wines have made some deeper inroads than other ingredients. And that's, the, you know, I think there was an effort behind that. And there still is somewhat uh, directed by the government, if you can call it a government. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that creating the demand is one way to do it. And Greeks in America have that power. It's not going to happen overnight. But if people did start to ask for some of this stuff, somebody would wake up to it. And I also think that you know, it's a complicated issue. The supermarket network is a very complicated business and requires all sorts of other things beyond just distribution, you know, slotting fees. And it's enormously expensive to get a product on a supermarket shelf. Essentially, it's like like renting space. And if you rent that space and your product isn't selling, they put you somewhere else. And then it, you know, your chances of selling it are even, you know, more of a long shot. So there's always this catch-22. Producers in Greece have to find that balance, have to be able to support the product. And unfortunately, here again, you know, when you look at what the Italian Trade Commission has done in the United States over the last hundred years, they've been here since 1927. When you look at what the Spanish have done, simple, what seems to me pretty plain as day logic, Hire a PR agency, create an office called Foods of Greece, a place where journalists can request information, but they have never done that. Everyone else has done that. The Spanish have that, the Italians have it, the French have it, the Portuguese have it, probably the Yemenis have it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I just think that it is sorely lacking and so much money is wasted on really stupid things. This would be, I think, an effort that would have some results. So I'm outspoken. You got that, right? <laughs> Absolutely, but nothing wrong with that. Hey, I'm talking to Austin. I can, you know, after New York, you're probably the most interesting places in the United States. So, I've been to Austin. I taught a Greek cooking class at the Central Markets in Austin. Oh, really? Yeah, two years ago. Returning more closely to the Greek cuisine, one of the characteristics of Greek dining is the small plate or the meze. Tell us more about the meze and its place on the Greek table. Well, I think that meze is the ultimate convivial food, right? It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be enjoyed with alcohol, either wine or ouzo or tsipuro. And it's really the vehicle for socializing. There's a whole sort of plating philosophy. Things have to be crunchy and other things have to be soft and some things have to be spicy and other things have to be cooling. So there's a lot of interesting weaving going on on a meze table. And then, of course, today, I think there's added value to that because people are trying to eat less. And, you know, these issues in the United States that are diet related are so overwhelming that meze as a way to eat, I think, offers a very viable solution. You have variety, you have smaller portions and food that's fun. People love it. It's beautiful. It's colorful. It's friendly. It's, it's robust. 
Unfortunately, many tourists and many visitors to Greece are only exposed to Greek cuisine at restaurants which primarily cater to tourists, or they're exposed to fast food such as gyro and suvleki. You offer a different perspective for visitors, however, through the cooking classes that you offer on the island of Ikaria, and also through culinary walking tours in Athens. Tell us about these classes and tours, and about the hidden gems that one can discover when looking to dine out in Greece. I think, first of all, that anyone who travels should do their due diligence, right? And do a little bit of research before they go to a place. So I guess in every city or every country, certainly you can leave things to chance or some things to chance. But if you really want to have a good meal, you know, it's not that hard to do a little bit of research. There's so many sites now where people review restaurants and that sort of thing. So you don't always have to have those Greek meatballs fried in WD-40 <laughs> at the restaurants in Plaka. But what we do in Ikaria is very different. Ikaria is one of the blue zones, one of the places on earth where the longevity rates are so high, they're a statistical anomaly, and people live a long time. Some of that is attributed to diet. Some of it is also attributed to an extremely relaxed lifestyle. So what we do there is we really give people an experience in a true Greek village. Ikaria is a bit of a backwater. It's off the beaten path. It's not difficult to get to. It's easy to get to. There are ferries and there's an airport, but it's really an experience that we garden. We bring people into the garden. We forage for greens and herbs and whatever is available at that time of the year. When possible, we try to go fishing. It's not always possible. We do all sorts of things related to nature and how nature relates to the kitchen. And I think that's really important. A lot of what we eat is from our garden. We visit local farmers and local wineries and we take people to the mineral springs that are totally undeveloped. It's really just a walk down to the beach and you sit in water that's bubbling and hot. It's pretty cool. And they really get an experience in a family and in other families. And it's a cultural experience as much as it is a culinary one. And of course, we cook and cook and cook. So it's a lot of fun. And we always try to you know, give people recipes that they can do anywhere, wherever they live. And we've had mainly Americans, but visitors from all sorts of other parts of the world. The walking tours are a bit different. That's an attempt to show people as you said before, better food experience in Athens. And we start at a little church in the Morastiraki and walk through the market and stop in shops and taste things and have honey tastings and talk about olive oil and taste some olive oil and varieties of olives and look at the paxima, the other rusks. It's interesting. It's educational in a different way. And we also do trips that are a whole itineraries. We're close to wrapping up our interview, but to end on a fun and tasty note, share with us a couple of your personal very favorite dishes within the Greek cuisine. My very favorite dishes. I love anything in homemade phyllo. <laughs> uh, I love pita, you know, all sorts, leek pie, spinach pie, um, vegetable pies, mushroom pies, sun-dried tomato and feta pies. All that's everything we're making in the kitchen today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> leek pies, all sorts of things. I love the really simple food. There's some amazing regional, very delicate recipes for, uh, there's one recipe for really aromatic stuffed onions, like a dolma. And God, there's so much good food in Greece. Just a, a sea salt baked tomato with really good Greek yogurt and extra virgin olive oil. That's an amazing combination of flavors. Fresh olive oil coming out of the spigot as it's being pressed it's, and it's warm and you have a little toasted bread and some coarse sea salt. Those are amazing flavors. Those are very elemental flavors. And that's, to me, that's really what the cuisine is about. It's, it's very Japanese in that respect, very elemental, very pared down. That's why I never appreciated and mostly held in disdain with, you know, 
know, my usual dose of sarcasm. You know, a lot of the, sh the newer chefs who are trying to do things like foam tzatziki and make gelatins out of Greek salad and serve, uh, you know, that's sort of died away now. But for a time, it was really over the top. But anyway, for me, it's those very elemental flavors that are really the soul of the cuisine. And for listeners who are probably as hungry as I am after listening to all this, I believe many of your recipes are online. And also, I believe that you've written several books about Greek cuisine as well. Where can our listeners find out more information about your books? And your you can books? find my books on my website, which is dianecuchillas.com. And you can also find them on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and that sort of thing. Wonderful. Well, Diane, thank you very much for taking time out to uh, speak with us today. We greatly appreciate it. And I know that many of our listeners are probably going to be uh, dreaming about all this food after hearing this interview. Thank you very much.